Okay, I, I, I would be inclined to believe that this was happening, but what actually was being done to the Sanders campaign that was detrimental? You're listening to Understanding More, and I'm Austin Moore. I recently had the chance to sit down with two well-versed political enthusiasts, Liam and Garrison. We discussed the new revelations from Donna Brazile, the former interim DNC chair, about the relationship between the DNC and the Clinton campaign during the Democratic primary, along with how the Democratic Party is responding to the Trump era. What was your like initial reaction to what she well, I read Said. that. Yeah, I read that political article, and basically, it was if you don't know, it was from an excerpt of her book, which was about the um, 2016 or 2015 primary. What yeah, a, no, 15. Yeah, yeah. That far back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, and she was saying how Donna Brazile was interim chair of the DNC um, because Debbie Wasserman Schultz had to step down because of the scandal, and then she was saying how basically she was accusing Hillary's campaign of trying to rig the primary because the DNC was dependent on Hillary's campaign for cash, cash infusions because they were broke. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so her accusation was she said she had found evidence that they had rigged the campaign in Clinton's favor. Now, I, I definitely think that, like, um, that um, the DNC was biased towards Hillary, but I didn't see in that article and maybe it was a teaser for the book, what actually the evidence, like what they had actually done to rig the primary towards Hillary as away from Bernie. Like I, I can see why they were dependent on the Clinton campaign, mm-hmm. but like what actually they had done. And then recently in like earlier mid-November, Donna Brazil went on CNN to say that she hadn't found evidence that they had rigged the campaign for Bernie, which was like directly contradictory to what she said in her book. And she said that she was just basically concerned about the funding issue. And um, right. yeah, so I don't know what to make of the whole, was it just like a fluke to sell books? Or did right. she come under pressure from the Democratic Party after it came out and try to walk her statements back for like political reasons? Well, I think the book, the book thing is actually kind of interesting because I was like, damn, okay, so like you got this juicy information, but now you're like selling a book and you're yeah. on every television show that I like watch. Like, I don't know, it kind of seemed a little fishy, but I thought, it, I mean, I just couldn't really understand where she was what she was saying was completely contradictory in itself. She was saying the Hillary campaign uh, was basically bailed out. The DNC said, but because we're going to bail you out, we're going to control the whole party, basically. Mm -hmm. They could say they got to uh, pick the staffing. They got to pick the communications. Mm -hmm. They they got to pick the strategy. Like, everything. Donna Brazile said she couldn't even send out a press release without it going to Brooklyn first into the Hillary headquarters without them like looking at it. Um, so I just don't understand how, how can you say, Oh, I found all this like weird fishy information about how, um, the DNC is basically run by Hillary Clinton, but there was no rigging. Everything's fine. The primary was completely fair. Right. How, how does that, I don't understand. So she said she found no evidence of rigging, but what would she, what do you think is, the, like, how is the funding agreement not that evidence? Right. Well, I think my question is, like, and I guess, like, directing strategy is part of it, but, like, what... Because by the time Brazil came in, Hillary was the candidate, I'm pretty sure, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she had just won the primary. Yeah, right. yeah. So by that point, like, I think the mm-hmm. presidential campaign 
basically directs the starts taking more control right. over the party at that right. point right. because like you know they have a as it should and they're the yeah the, yeah. the, the you know the top candidate at that point but so like what i wanted from her and from her excerpt is like what specifically was being like done and this is what even when those emails came out with that made schultz step down i was mm -hmm. like okay I, I i would be inclined to believe that this was happening but what actually was being done to the sanders campaign that was detrimental you know what i mean right. is the evidence that like i'm looking for and True. just because so so that funding business makes me more suspicious of course but i need something in addition to that to really make me like be like okay it was rigged. yeah but what but what actually was the rigging see, going the on? thing about that is that the interesting thing is how long the clinton foundation has been bailing out the dnc right i think that's the key part of it it was like why. a few months after she she said she was gonna run right like it's even longer than that in the sense that the clinton foundation has always had its hands deep in the dnc like right. with funding mm -hmm. and stuff like that but like as of recent is when the clinton foundation like like the article talks about, like her, she talks about in her book, is that they effectively gain control of every facet of the DNC. Mm -hmm. Right. The interesting thing about it is that the shifts in power that took place long before even the primary begs the question of, okay, it's not, and I would like to see if Donald Brazil actually addresses this. It's not necessarily evidence of rigging, but it's evidence of some shifts that were very questionable in the sense right. that Debbie Waltzman Schultz worked on Hillary Clinton's campaign mm -hmm when she ran against Barack Obama in the primary. Mm -hmm. Right. And was like right-hand man to Hillary Clinton, basically. Right, like she right. was like- Hand to any, the king. Right, <laughs> if anything happened, Debbie Waltzman Schultz was present. Mm -hmm. But so the question was like, well, okay, how the hell did Debbie Waltzman Schultz end up as the DNC chair? Right. Because like, if you, if you look at like her relationship to the DNC, she's kind of, I wouldn't call it an outsider, but like, she wasn't that powerful in the DNC. Mm -hmm. She's not, not active. that high yeah. of a Democrat where she would have that kind of clout to win that kind of position. Right. But she basically got the position through a series of step downs. And so the question is like, how did they get that to happen? And the person who was directly in line above her that got her the, her, this person stepped down, got her the, the chairman seat was Tim Kaine. Um. And so there was an entire, <laughs> I forgot which website it was, but there was an entire that. article. And it, it sounds kind of like, conspiracy theory is but then when you actually like lay it out with on mm. top of this stuff from donna brazil it's like okay this is questionable because how do you get somebody to step down from one of the most powerful positions in the party right you promised them something better right the only thing that could be better than being chairman of the dnc is either being president right or vice president of the united states mm -hmm. yeah This podcast is brought to you by Landing Lion. Landing Lion helps you get to market faster and smarter by combining everything you need to craft and measure content into one friendly platform. Forget Squarespace and Wix and definitely forget about WordPress. This new startup is way more than just a website builder. The built-in analytics offered in this platform are some of the most detailed data collecting I have ever seen with any website analytics service. You can literally watch real-time videos of where visitors on your website clicked and looked at the most in order to make the best possible website for your market. If you think that Squarespace is the easiest website creation platform, wait until you see how easy it is to build a website with Landing Lion. I guarantee anyone can make a professional-looking website in under 15 minutes with this builder platform. And the best part of all of this is that you can try Landing Lion right now for free. 
So don't take my word for it. Go to landinglion.com today and try it for yourself. I think um, something else is that this story kind of um, snowballs into like the bigger question of the whole reason why the DNC did this whole deal with Hillary Clinton in the beginning is because they're in debt. They were like, it was like $28 million in debt, which in the grand scheme of things doesn't sound like a lot, but right when you're about to you know, have an election, it was right. bad. And unfortunately, a lot of that had to do with Obama, and he didn't really like fundraise that well, and Debbie Washerman Schultz was not a fundraiser uh, chair. like That mm-hmm. was not her thing. Um, and so it's kind of like this weird thing where we kind of like shot ourselves in the, in our in the foot you know like i don't think any one person can be blamed for the dnc you know kind of collapsing but you know if the dnc had been better prepared when 2015 rolled around we wouldn't have had to do we wouldn't have had to do these type of things and i think there still could have been favoritism to go around if debbie wasserman schultz was in there because i whether we have lots of uh, evidence about it or not, I personally just think she was in the bag for Hillary. I always have. Right. Um, but it's this grander kind of problem that I think I wish Democrats and the DNC would address more is that we are a mismanaged party. We have high moral you know, grounds. We stand on soapboxes all the time, but we can't seem to get our shit together when it comes to yeah. actually having a party structure that works and having a message that people Relate fuck to. with. Yeah. It's because we got comfortable. Right. And that was, that was the problem. Like you said, we shot ourselves on the foot because we got comfortable with Barack Obama. Bar- mm-hmm. Barack Obama lulled the entire Democratic Party into a false sense of security. Not to right. his own fault. Right. Because, I mean, the man, well, I guess we can all agree, the man was a genius. Yeah. He did some great things. Yeah, I like And him. we got really comfortable in that. Yeah. Like, we felt like we were cruising on... In paradise, because yeah. we had a president that was smart. He was effective in what he was doing. He had charm. He he knew what he was talking about. Well educated. They had, I mean, they had made some grounds right when he got elected president in two thousand eight. Mm-hmm. Democrats had won a couple of seats um, and won a couple of positions, governorships, and stuff like that. And we got really comfortable, and we just started watching stuff happen. Like we started watching us losing majority of state legislators in the country. Mm-hmm. We started watching governorships go red. States that hadn't flipped red in years right. for governorships right. flip red. And we were like, you know what? It doesn't matter. Barack Obama's still president. Barack Obama's still president. He's right. going to win in 2012. Barack Obama's president. Right. And then 2016 happens, and we're like, oh, shit. Mm-hmm. We were not prepared. We, we were not prepared whatsoever. And the Republicans, right. and we were talking about this earlier, um, the Republicans started a war machine as soon as 2008 hit. Right. Like, mm-hmm. they were reaching deep. The Koch brothers were like, and they Dude, called they it the autopsy. Like, they were like, <laughs> yeah. They were re- they kicked the war machine in. They were thinking about 2012 from the beginning, and then after 2012, they were thinking about 2016. And I think that's the problem with the Democratic Party now is that we don't think in terms of election years anymore. Right. We're not very focused on like. To be honest, I don't think the DNC is going to be ready for the 2018 no. midterms. I don't, I don't think we're going to flip the house. No. I don't think they're ready. On November 7th of this year, Democrats claimed victory in their first soft election day since Trump became president. The Democrats won governor's races in Virginia and New Jersey, as well as some state legislatures and a few contested mayoral races. I asked Liam and Garrison how well they thought the Democratic Party is responding to Trumpism. 
Well, I think they need number one. Well, first, I and I, this is like my number one thing, and I'm glad you said this. They need to fund state legislator reaches mm. because the Koch brothers throw so, so much, much money. money into that. So, so much. much, not just them, obviously, but you right. know they're the they're the, they're big, the guys. big boys, and yeah. they're yeah, and they kind of you know corral the other billionaires but like mm -hmm. um they throw so much money in that because state legislators draw districting lines so they get to gerrymander mm -hmm. not only their own districts but the, the democrats the, districts yeah, well. but the no but the the um national the federal districts yeah. because yeah. they decide where the lines are for the state so they know who's going to get elected which mm -hmm. is then we have more Republicans, number one, and two, we have crazier Republicans yeah, right. because the Republicans in Republican districts are running only for the primary because they know Republicans are going to win. So they're like, you know, fuck it, lynch everybody. I don't even know what they say in these, but you Right, know. right. And then, um, but but on a national scale, I think that, number one, the, the media has just become so important in winning national elections, mm -hmm. so important. And we don't have any stars in the Democratic Party. Right. What, who, who, Hillary, Pelosi, Schumer? I mean, like, you Jesus know, Christ, get out of here. Maybe, like, get itch. out of here, you know what I mean? Yeah. And then, and then we, I think they need a message that is not just Trump is a boogeyman. You right, know what I mean? Right. They Thanks. need Thanks. a positive political, not positive in like positive, like in terms of like, this is what we're going to We need to a platform. Do. Exactly. Right. That's not just the other guy sucks. Because we know that. But, yeah. you know, what are, what are, what what are you offering for me? Lately? Exactly. Right. Lately. But see, oh, the problem boy. is that the people like, and that's the sad part about the, the condition of the Democrats on Capitol Hill is that they still have to rely heavily on partnerships with people who like normally we'd be like, nah, screw you. Yeah. Like, the fact that the entire Democratic Party has been balancing on John McCain's vote is kind of sad. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. we've been basically like caressing John McCain's head so he can just <laughs> please, roll with us. Please, Mr. McCain. Like, right. right. I wonder what kind of concessions we had to give up to get him to vote on that health care bill the way he did. Finally, I asked Liam and Garrison if they thought the Democratic Party could flip the House or Senate in 2018, and about Democratic Party leadership and strategy going forward. Dismal. I don't think. Here's the thing. I think we'll win a couple seats, maybe, if we get lucky. I don't think the Democrats are going to flip the House. Here's why. The Republican Party has effectively, I hate to use the term brainwash, but it's the only word that can come to mind, has effectively captivated the minds of not only rural America, but they have a, and, and it's scary, they have a brand new base. Yeah. And it's college edu educated. Mm -hmm. And that's the scary part is that the Republicans have now taken this quote unquote, what we would laugh at and call, you know, hick racism, hick misogyny, and turned it into an intellectually appealing ideology. Right. That is captivating college students and young adults across the country. Like the Richard Spencer. Right. The like, and they, they think they're snazzy, they're, they're coming out here, and they're coming out strong mm -hmm. with, like, pamphlets, they're doing parties, <laughs> like, these motherfuckers are not resting. Yeah, yeah. And so, while I think that we could win a couple of seats, I just, I don't think that the DNC has the power or has the, the platform to get Democrats to flip the House or the Senate. Yeah. I just don't think... Yeah, it's just not. I hate to say it. It's just not going to happen in my opinion. Well, I don't know if I can. I think that definitely a big part of his election is like you know, 
hick racism. And I think that that has to do with, and this is not an excuse, but just an explanation that like throughout history, whatever, it's kind of like two steps forward, one step back. Mm -hmm. When there's like big social change, there's a backlash from that right. for people who don't want it. Right. And I think we had our first African-American president and then um, gay marriage was legalized. Right. Those are the two big things to me. And that's even more controversial because it was a Supreme Court ruling, right. which, you know, is in a way fundamentally undemocratic. Right, right. But, um, that's true. But so, um, obviously I'm not against that, but, um, <laughs> but so I think that Trump is in some ways a backlash to that. But I also think that the face of the Democratic Party has changed to look more urban, yuppie, mm -hmm. millennial, a little snooty, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I think that like people who I know from the Midwest, like blue collar people who voted for Trump, were, I, I really don't think they were incited by his racist platform. I think they were disturbed by it, but I think they felt left behind. Yeah. And these are people who aren't even in middle America, you know what I mean? They're like in, in an urban area, but right. they felt left out of a discourse and they felt like things were just rapidly happening that and that that the Democrats had left them behind basically right. and that it was a whole new societal social thing that they weren't a part of anymore and I think that's a big part of it but anyways to answer your actual question mm -hmm. no I don't I think we're gonna gain some seats I think there are way too many incumbents um, I think that I don't know who is winning on funding but I don't know what that says anymore after after Trump Hill or Trump Clinton. Yeah. Um, so yeah, no, I, I I don't I don't think we're gonna flip the house, um, and I really um, I I hope that leads to new party leadership because uh, yeah, me too. Get rid of uh, get rid of Tom Perez. I'm yeah. Say that right now. Tom Perez is a great guy. I wanted Keith what Ellison. But at the same time, he's he's a Clinton Democrat. Wait, he didn't get it. Keith no. Ellison? Keith Ellison? No. No, he lost to Tom Perez. <laughs> oh, and I thought he was the head of the GOP. No, no. Tom Perez, the Clinton <laughs> still has control. But Tom Perez did a little, like, he was like, you can be the deputy. And the only reason he did that is because when Tom Perez won the DNC chair, that was one of those moments that, just like the whole situation between Hillary Clinton and Bernie Sanders, was one of those moments that was going to split the party. Yeah. Because I, talking to people that I know from Minnesota, talking to people that I know who are a little bit more to the left, we were ready to leave. It was because we felt like Tom Perez was not an actual shift in any direction. No, he was, it was the, the same. same mm -hmm. He was the same. Old school, Nancy Pelosi, Dianne Feinstein, Hillary Clinton, um, Chuck Schumer, Democratic Party. Yeah. And he was in that camp. He's done the fundraising for those people. He's been the campaign managers for those people. And we felt like Keith Ellison was the necessary change to push the party left and push the party in the mm -hmm. actual platform that was actually going to be progressive yep and for us to take that loss and the amount of disrespect that was also thrown from some of the leading candidates during that race yeah that was a nasty the race progressive movement within the democratic that was a party, nasty race was definitely going to fracture and so perez saw that he needed to do something to keep those votes in line because they almost lost them with the whole hillary clinton sanders situation yeah they can't afford to lose them again well i you know as soon as tom perez was uh, sworn in or whatever as the chair, 
I, I knew immediately. I was like, we haven't we haven't learned anything. We are just we're gonna we're gonna institute a failing strategy, and we're just gonna hope that it works. Thanks for listening to Understanding More. And if you like this episode, be sure to rate and subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss anything. I want to thank Landing Lion for sponsoring this podcast and Liam and Garrison for sitting down with me. Keep understanding more and more.